quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the pod. This is a quite unusual. See, I already fucked it up. You know why? Because it's supposed to be a song. (laughs) Welcome to the pod. Because it was a song. Just make it a song again then. Um, Hello and welcome to the pod. This is quite unusual and we are your hosts. And then it was like this whole thing and we're like, we kind of rapped, but I took it out. I thought you wanted to be like, and I'm Nicole. No, it's like, and I, I'm Noelle. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a whole thing. It was like, you know, like, um, like good, like 80s style rap where like everyone yeah. takes a turn and they like yeah. introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like that. And you had deleted it? He did. I, <sighs> I didn't think you'd be into it. When I was writing it at five in the morning, I didn't <laughs> think you'd be into it. I mean, I probably wouldn't have been but i'm i'm interested in what you had for the rap part i truly do not (laughs) fucking remember but i will write a rap next time it's my turn to do the intro okay Okay. but you have to rap it with me or poetry slam it okay either one's good we'll see all right so let's make it official hello and welcome to the quite unusual podcast we are your hosts i am noelle and i am nicole and this is the show with non-stop cult content forever and ever and ever and ever and ever just kidding. But I will say, last week we did Love Has Won, and it has yeah. been living in my fucking brain rent-free. Yeah. Yeah, same. It's wild. And also, I feel like we could already do an update on it. Yeah, there is a lot. Well, I mean, it is an ongoing case. And right. I think a lot of the members have actually upcoming court dates within mm-hmm. the next week. So... Yeah. I mean, it's just oh, going to be, we're just going to have to see what comes out of it. I feel like next month or something, we should do sort of an update episode. Yeah, that would be fun for yeah, sure. I think so. But I also want to talk about another cult. Just really quick. Another cult? Just really, really quick. Just want to say this before we get into like yeah. the real meat and potatoes of our episode. You're like riding the cult train. Girl. Hard. I'm fucking living it. Okay, <laughs> okay, so there is this podcast that I'm plugging right now that I don't even know if they have like social media or anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. But our friend Kathleen turned me on to it. Oh. And okay. I listened to it in one day, the entire series. What is it? Is it just about a, just one cult? Yeah. So the cult is called House of Prayer. Never heard of them. It is crazy. What? I won't spoil it too much, but it's obviously religion based. Um, it's mm-hmm. like all about Jesus. Well, yeah, and most of them are. It has a female cult leader, which very rare. Oh yeah, I mean, besides Amy, I don't think I can think of any. Other... Well, and T from Heaven's Gate. Yeah, but, but technically, was... Dell was the face of it, and yeah, true, she was true. just like behind the yeah. But it's pretty rare. And yeah. I feel like we've been talking about female cult leaders, and so it's just like hashtag girl boss all day right now. <laughs> girl boss. So um, it's great. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. It's on like all the platforms. It's called House of Prayer. It's pretty short episodes are like 30 minutes-ish, but they get into it. There's like, I want to spoil it so bad, but there's like child murder. There's like maybe what? adult murder. There's like, I think one castration maybe happened. Oh, well, there's, it's not a cult unless there's one of those. Like, is it a cult if you one guy doesn't <laughs> cut his balls off? Honestly. So it's very, very good. I'm obsessed with it. I might listen to the series again. Isn't it on? Is it a cult that's currently active? No. Or, okay. No. Um, But it ended 
the the saga of it ended during COVID. So oh. it's Why it's a long lived cult that came to a conclusion during the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? I'm gonna listen to the whole series again. It's so fucking good, dude. It's what is it called? House of Prayer. House of Prayer is the mm-hmm. podcast. Yes. So right. highly, highly recommend if you need a little bit more cult fixing in your life. Which, I mean, everyone does. I do. Hare Krishna, am I right, girl? I think everyone does. Yeah. This is the year I join a cult, I think. This Start is the year you create a cult. Maybe. I think we've already decided that one. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So we will stop talking about cults for, I don't know. One what, second? Yeah. Maybe like four to five minutes. I don't <laughs> know. And we'll just seamlessly transition into today's episode and no one will even notice that this is a segue because it just feels so natural it's it's a natural transition it's totally we do that best and we're really good at that (laughs) so this week's episode is about a little cryptid from new jersey Mm -hmm. not snooki oh the jersey devil the jersey devil yes (laughs) easily the silliest looking cryptid i've ever seen yeah but he has heart. I mean, I have to be honest. If I saw this thing, like, I don't know, staring down, like, a, across from an alley or something. Staring down the barrel of a forty-five. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I would be frightened. I think I would just laugh. I think I'd go, oh. It's very, very weird looking, so I'd probably just be confused first. But then I yeah. don't think fear would be my first instinct with no. this one. No, I don't. I don't think I would ever be afraid of it. No. Which is fun. It's very goofy looking. Let's just put it that way. It's very fun. So we will be talking about the Jersey Devil, which, ironically, is what I also call my Uncle Ronnie from Atlantic City. Do you actually have an Uncle Ronnie from Atlantic City? Yeah, I call him the Jersey Devil. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? What? Which is funny that we're doing this episode now because I recently... I've decided to go back and rewatch Jersey Shore. Really? Yeah, I'm on season three right now. Oh, I think you told me that. Yeah. See, when I work, obviously I'm working from home like mm-hmm. most people have been. Um, So I like to have something like really stupid on in the background. So I've gone through all, basically any and all reality TV. I mean, I've done Summer House. I've done Vanderpump. I've done... Uh, are you the one? X on the beach. What else? Love Island. Love below Island. Deck. Below deck. Below deck. Yeah. All of the below decks. So I'm like burning through every reality. I haven't started The Real Housewives though. Ooh. I'm kind of intimidated to get sucked into that one. RuPaul. I've done RuPaul too. Got two. So now I'm on Jersey Shore and I just I forgot how much I loved it. I genuinely love Jersey Shore. Yeah, it's a good one. It is. I genuinely like it, like, without irony. Yeah. And it's actually funny because I I Googled how close the Jersey Shore was. Because our story really takes place in, like, southern Jersey. Yeah. And I Googled how close it was. And it's actually fairly close to the area in which the Jersey Devil is said to live. So. Uncle Ronnie or this cryptid? <laughs> the cryptid. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah pretty funny i truly fucking love snooki i know she's mama snooki she's adorable <laughs> she walked so we could run she did snooki <laughs> walked so we can run 
Snooki did what she did so we could do what we do. <laughs> she did. And I'm grateful. Me too. Forever. I'm grateful to her. I'm grateful to her bump it. Yeah. I'm grateful to that time she brought all of her clothes in garbage bags to the that house. That was Angelina. Oh, was, oh, yeah, the Staten Island dump. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, don't watch this fucking show. Yeah. Sammy, sweetheart. Oh, I'm the yeah. sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. Gosh, so good, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get to the Jersey Devil, the cryptid, not the Snooky, not my no. Uncle Ronnie. Yep. yep. Let's get down to it. Let's do it. All right, so before we dive into the story of how the Jersey Devil came to be, I want to give a little brief description of what exactly our little guy looks like. Oh, he's so silly. He's very silly. This crazy cryptid has been around for close to 300 years. I read 260. Don't know if that's exact. I don't think we can really be exact, but we're going to say close to 300 years. And has been seen by over 2,000 witnesses. That is so many people that have seen this wild-looking little beast. People who have spotted the Jersey Devil describe the creature as a kangaroo-like creature with the face of a horse, the head of a dog, bat-like wings, and horns. The creature is also described as having short T-Rex-like arms with talon-like claws for hands, Glowing red eyes and a forked tail. I got a big head and little arms. <laughs> That's really cute. He sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah, he's basically just a bunch of animals all thrown into one. Yeah. There are actually many variations of sightings of this thing, but it's almost always described as having hooves, wings, horns, a forked tail, and it is known for its blood-curdling screech. Mm-hmm. So I was watching this documentary on YouTube about the Jersey Devil, Mm -hmm. and this guy says that it sounds exactly like a woman screeching. He actually, I'm just going to paraphrase here, but he said that it sounds like a woman screeching when you choke her. I was like, this is Uh, really specific. How do you know that, sir? It was very unsettling. But I have something to say that's completely... I don't know. I just have to say it. I have to okay. get it off my chest okay, here. Okay, please. So please I used to have a cat. Her name was Kete Kete Meow Meow. And <laughs> that was her full name. That was her full name. And we just called her Kete. And she would, when she would throw up, she sounded like a woman screaming. Really? It was fucking bizarre. The first time it happened, <laughs> I thought there was someone in my house because it straight up sounded like a woman. Should I do it right now? Yeah, can you imitate like? it? Oh! Ah! Oh! Ah! I swear it was just like that. It was fucking unreal, dude. It was unfucking real. And it would scare the fucking shit out of me every fucking time she'd do it. And she's a cat, so she throws she up all like the time. Do it in the middle of the night. All the fucking time. And I always thought it was a woman screaming. So when I was doing research for the Jersey I was gonna I almost said Jersey Shore. For the Jersey Shore. For the Jersey Shore. For the Jersey Devil, I kept thinking of Kitte and like how she was like this teeny tiny little like gray chunky yeah, lady. She's very cute. And she'd just be like, ah! Ah! And it was terrifying. <laughs> and I just kept picturing it and laughing and laughing and laughing. And I wish you had like a, an actual recording. God, I fucking though. wish, dude. It scared the fucking shit out of me every time she did it because it sounded just like a fucking person. Well, that's what we're going to envision when I, whenever, <laughs> whenever I mention the blood curdling scream. Just it's, picture. Get the, that. get the meow meow throwing up in my <laughs> living sound. room. Yeah. Well, some people claim that the devil is six feet tall, but others have reported it only being three to four feet tall. 
So I don't know. Maybe there's like a family of devils, which is kind of cute, I guess. The devil has been known to raid chicken coops and farms, destroying crops and killing any animal that gets in its way. It has been spotted in over 50 different towns in New Jersey. Oh, he's a traveling man. Mm-hmm. People of New Jersey like to blame the devil for anything that goes wrong. Bad crop seasons and drought were always blamed on the Jersey devil. The devil was even accused of cutting off the tops of trees. Yeah. And causing out. water to boil. Yeah, checks out. Not sure which water, but it just said water to boil, so. Pasta water that you weren't ready to use yet. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Like, you were going to make pasta, but you had to make the sauce first, but you mm. filled the pot up. Okay. So you're ready to do it. You're ready to go when you're ready. Mm-hmm. But you still had to let that sauce simmer for a while. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> your pasta water is boiling. What do you got to do? You got to put in that rigatoni. You can't fucking mm. wait. You can't wait. And Sunday family dinner is ruined at it's the Jersey Shore. fucking ruined. Your penne alla vodka <laughs> is ruined. As mentioned earlier, the devil is not a friend to animals and was said to be the reason for why some cows stopped giving milk. Like our number one cryptid boyfriend, Mothman. Oh, hey, babe. If you're listening, shout out. Hey. Some people actually believe a sighting of the Jersey devil is actually a warning. Specifically, a warning of war. The devil has been seen before almost every war since the American Revolution and was even spotted hours before Pearl Harbor was bombed in 1941. Yeah, but outside of like a store in New Jersey. (laughs) So it wasn't like... No one really took it to heart. Yeah, he wasn't like at Pearl Harbor being like, (laughs) I just picture him also talking like that. Hey guys, there's going to be a bomb here. He was just, like, outside of, like, a fucking store. Like, what's a store they probably have in New Jersey? The Shore Store. The Shore Store in New Jersey. And he was like, hey, J-Wow, yeah, you might want to come check this out. Yeah, uh, you, um, if you have a minute. So he wasn't, it wasn't a lot of help. Yeah. Because he was still in New Jersey. Yeah, it didn't didn't mean anything to anyone. But I will say that I love this voice that you've put on for the jersey devil well he looks fucking ridiculous <laughs> he and does. i feel like that's probably it, what he would sound it like it looks spot yeah i mean it's spot on so Thank you. everyone look up a picture of what the jersey devil looks like and just picture that voice and it's it's pretty accurate hey i'm the jersey devil <laughs> the jersey devil resides in the new jersey pine barrens also known as the Pinelands or just the pines This area is now a rare temperate coniferous forest, known for its acidic, nutrient-poor soil. The area of the Pine Barrens is over 1 million acres wide. Wow. That's really big. Yeah. It basically, well, I looked up, this is what I looked up on the map, because, you know, we are a geography podcast. First and foremost, we are a geography podcast. We have to make sure first. So I looked up where the Pine Barrens exactly were in new jersey and then also in relation to where the jersey shore shore house is because you got that and the pine barrens basically take up almost all of southern new jersey that's crazy because when i think of new jersey nicole Mm -hmm. i think of fertile soil i think of a wonderful place to live (laughs) i think of just america's cropland really you Mm -hmm. know it's like what do i think of where do i want to move when i retire 
New Jersey's the southern part of New Jersey. Mm. It's a dreamland. That's what I think of it as. You know, oh. like in Happy Gilmore, where he goes to his happy place. Yeah, you're mine happy. is southern <laughs> New Jersey in the Pine Barrens. Yeah, specifically. Well, it's funny though because I actually did Google Map it, and the Pine Barrens. Well, a part of the Pine Barrens. I mean, it's just very massive. It's about a forty-four minute drive from the Jersey Shore house, so. So we're putting on our road trip tour? Yeah. Yeah, we got to. Yeah. So the whole thing with the Pine Barrens is that you can't grow food on the land because it's the soil's just too acidic. So back in the day, you couldn't grow any food, but the area is ripe with diverse plant life, such as orchids and carnivorous plants, of course pines, and it is filled with swamps. There is a sand that covers most of the area's soil, And it's called sugar sand by the locals. Delicious. Yeah. The Pine Barrens area helps recharge the Kirkwood Cohansey Aquifer, a 17 trillion gallon aquifer known for some of the purest water in the United States. Because of this and the fact that it is now considered rare, in 1978, Congress passed legislation to designate 1.1 million acres of the pines as the Pineland National Reserve. Wow. Actually, fun fact, this was the first national reserve in the U.S., and they did this to preserve its ecology. In 1988, it was designated by the United Nations as an international biosphere reserve, making this area pretty much untouchable and for good reason. So you're telling me right now. That I can't move to my happy place. No. I'm going to have to pick a new happy place. <laughs> you know what Tallahassee's like. <laughs> the Pine Barrens occupy 22% of New Jersey's land Holy area. shit, dude. Yeah. I, like I said, it's like basically the whole southern part of New Jersey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it stretches over seven counties, and despite all the protections put in place... The forest is actually at risk due to increasing development in the area, Mm. which is very sad. Forest fires are a common occurrence in the Pinelands, and actually they play a role in the development of some of the plant life there, but studies have shown that most of the fires occur in the area are, that occur in the area are of human origin. Oh yeah, all those gender reveals, you know? (laughs) Which is not great. Well, was it a boy or a girl? Was well, it a Jersey Devil? We'll never know. <gasps> it is thought that the Jersey Devil emerges from his lair deep within the Pine Barrens to wreak havoc throughout southern New Jersey. Several groups of people throughout the years have gotten together to hunt down the devil. And at one point, there was even a $100,000 reward offered up to whoever could capture the devil, dead or alive. That's so fucked up, dude. It's like... There is one of these right. in existence. Mm-hmm. And if you kill it, I will give you a small sum of money. Well, that's America for you. <laughs> Capitalism. Locals believe that the Jersey Devil is a protector of sorts of the Pine Barrens, meaning no harm to people as long as they stay away from his beloved Pinelands. He's sort of like a local celebrity to the people of southern New Jersey, kind of like how Mothman is to Point Pleasant. So... Don't fuck with the Jersey Devil, because, I mean, the southern New Jersey people will probably fight you. Well, first off, they're just going to fight you anyways, because they're from <laughs> southern New Jersey. Yeah, that's probably So not to malign true. the great people of southern New Jersey, 
Yeah. But we know you like to fight. We've seen Jersey Shore. <laughs> We've seen Jersey Shore. And also, they're very proud of this thing. They're yeah. very proud of it. Right. Like, I mean, Mothman, Point Pleasant, they're proud of him too, so. I support the wall. How Why could not? you not be proud of that ass? It That's won't quit. Very true. very true. I don't think that there's a statue, though, in southern New Jersey of the devil. How would you even but... compete with any other statue? <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. When we think of the Jersey Devil, we think cryptid, right? Well, I'm still going to consider him a cryptid, but some people sort of argue against the term cryptid and instead would call the Jersey Devil a chimera. Really? Yeah. Why? A chimera is a creature that is composed of parts of several different other creatures. In Greek mythology, a chimera is a beast with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. So, falls in line with our devil, who has been spotted with a horse head, bat wings, and talons. Chimeras move extremely fast and therefore cannot be photographed, as is the case with the Jersey Devil. There is absolutely no physical evidence that the Jersey Devil even exists at all. All evidence that we have is purely anecdotal. Really, the only thing we have is sightings from the over 2,000 people who claim to have seen him. Well, I'm going to well actually right now. I do have a piece of evidence that we will talk about in the bottom half of the episode. I also have a piece of evidence. So we we have lied <laughs> about there being no well, evidence. Uh, we use that term loosely. We uh, See, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm necessarily lying, but no. we'll get to that later. Okay, liar. Let's keep going. Okay. But that's all I have for the Jersey Devil. So now that we have a little info on him, why don't we figure out where the hell he came from? He did come from hell because he's a devil. Devil. Hell is empty and all the devils are here in New Jersey. The Jersey Devil's story begins, well, I guess sort of not unlike my Uncle Ronnie's story, (laughs) when he's had just like a few too many brewskis with a woman. You know what I mean, right? Right, right. Uncle Ronnie. The year was 1735, and Uncle Ronnie was... I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's not right. Yeah, the year was 1735, and the woman's name was Jane Leeds, but she's better known as Mother Leeds. According to legend, she already had 12 children, and she had recently found out that she was pregnant with her 13th. Ooh, lucky number 13. That is... A life to live. That is a lot of children, and I don't wish that upon any woman. (laughs) That's very kind of you. Thanks. She was so upset by this news, rightly so, that she cursed her unborn babe, crying and screaming that it would be the devil. Flash forward eight or nine months or whatever, and Mother Leeds is in labor. It was a dark and stormy night, and all of her friends had gathered around the laboring woman to help her bring her baby into the world. Mother Leeds's baby was born as all her others had been healthy and human. Would you imagine, imagine giving birth and the very first thing like the midwife or doctor or whatever says is congrats. It's a human. <laughs> I would be relieved. Well, isn't that typically what happens? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you're like, rosemary from rosemary's baby but other than that it's did she give birth to an herb she gave birth to a demon child i have never seen rosemary's what get out of your own house i will leave right now (laughs) 
to go outside and watch it on my phone. Please do. The way I'm sure the director intended. <laughs> That's the way Roman Polanski wants everyone to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it on my fucking iPod shuffle. Do they have screens? No, they don't. I'm going to listen to it on my iPod shuffle. <laughs> Not the same effect, but okay. But the scenes are going to get skipped around because it's a shuffle. Mm. Okay. It's going to be amazing. So anyways, back to this mother leads who had a human baby. She was relieved because it was a human, right? How could she not be? Mm. But she wasn't relieved for very long. While she was holding her newborn baby, baby number 13 began to change. Its little tiny baby feet turned into hooves. And its little tiny baby head turned into the head of a goat, or some say a horse. Well, luckily that changed after she gave birth. Yikes. Yeah, imagine birthing a horse head. No, I don't want to. Okay, I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> Bat wings sprouted out from where its little regular baby human wings had once been. <laughs> and then it grew a long forked tail. Wow. The baby turned into a beast and it began to growl and snarl and scream. The beast thrashed around in the room, overturning tables, just like flipping tables, man. <laughs> and beating everyone up inside the room with its forked tail before letting out a final call and escaping out the chimney into the dark woods of the Pine Barrens. The story varies a little bit from time to time, sometimes claiming that there was an exorcism on Mother Leeds to get the baby out of her, like they knew it was going to be a devil. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes Mother Leeds is said to be a witch. And the baby's father is said to be the actual devil, which is sort of fun. Rosemary's baby. That's not, I don't to, know. not to spoil Never. that one for you. Well, but... now I'm not going to watch it because now <laughs> I know the plot. I'm not going to listen to it on my iPod shuffle because now I know the plot. Well, that's your loss. <laughs> the beast was originally known as the Leeds devil or the devil of Leeds, either for the Leeds family of lore or because of the small New Jersey town by the name of Leeds Point, which is located about 50 minutes south of the Shore Shack. <laughs> That's not an accurate. <laughs> we didn't Google that, so nobody write us a bad review over it, please. The woman known as Jane Leeds, or Mother Leeds, has actually been agreed upon by historians to be a real woman named Deborah Leeds. Okay. So I don't know why that changed. I feel like whoever told the story first was like, I have a friend. Um, I won't use her real name. So I'll just call her Jane Leeds. <laughs> and they're like, are you talking about Deborah? She's like, no, I'm talking about Jane. So she changes the first name to throw um, you off. Yeah. But not the last. Yeah, like using the last name Leeds didn't really keep the story anonymous. <laughs> but I don't know. She's kind of rude, but whatever. So Deborah Leeds was believed to be the mothership for the Jersey Devil. This is believed because in 1736, her husband, Jaffet Leeds, made mention of 12 children in his will. So around the time that the story originated, she was known to have 12 babies, and her last name was Leeds, and who knows what her real first name was. Well, her husband's name was Jaffet? It was J-A-P-H-E-T. Jaffet. Isn't that how you would say that? Yeah. I, at first I thought you said Jacket, and I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> Jacket Leeds. I have a speech impediment. Jaffet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, they lived in Leeds Point, so, I mean, it would make perfect sense that right. this whole thing is kind of happening there. 
Some historians think that the whole story was made up as sort of a political smear campaign against, this is going to be an unhinged sentence, Okay. Benjamin Franklin's rival almanac publisher. Um, I'm sorry, a rival almanac publisher? Yeah. <laughs> was there like wars between the publishers of almanacs well, back in the day? The Jersey Devil did show up right before a war. Okay. So actually, well, maybe. Makes sense. So Daniel Leeds was, again, I'm just going to, I'm sorry, Benjamin Franklin's rival almanac publisher, <laughs> Daniel Leeds. He had been married three times, which was a lot for them. And his first wife and daughter had died during childbirth. So mm-hmm. people kind of held that against him in a weird way. What? Like he was somehow at fault. Like they totally judged him for it. Well, that's just plain mean. Well, he was Benjamin Franklin's rival almanac <laughs> publisher. So yeah. Oh, okay. Also, his third wife at the time had nine children, which some people thought was super trashy, but this is the Jersey Shore. And they used this as fuel to fire the disdain for this man. Leeds Point was named after Daniel Leeds' family in the 1600s when a wave of English Quakers and their oatmeal moved to the Delicious. south <laughs> moved to the south of New Jersey. Daniel Leeds was their unofficial leader. But he became shunned from his community after he began publishing his almanac. Why? Okay. I learned a lot about almanacs in the last week (laughs) that I didn't want to know. So if you have, like, any question about an almanac... Is this an almanac podcast now? (laughs) We might be transitioning (laughs) from geography to almanac. For those of you that don't know what an almanac is, which I didn't as of a week ago, really... It's sort of like a calendar, but it's in book form, and it contains information on, like, weather patterns and astronomical data and tide tables for the entire year. Mm -hmm. So it's super important for farming and traveling, especially, obviously, pre-internet, and, like, obviously, like, transportation took a long time, so you kind of need to know what was going on. And for, like, farmers, obviously, when they're planting, they need to know... Yeah, like when to plant, plant. like the moon cycles, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Daniel started to publish this almanac in 1687, and immediately his extremely conservative community was like, um, who told you it was going to be a full moon on the 28th, Daniel? Was it the devil, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like you've been insider trading with the Dark Lord. And they weren't into it. They deemed his book to be pagan and blasphemous in the eyes of the Lord, so they burned all of his almanacs. Wow, that is mean. Yeah, I'm going to assume in the late 1600s, it took a long time to make a fucking book. Is that before or after the printing press? I don't even know. I think it's after. Yeah, it's got to be after. Got to. Otherwise, they're handwriting all that shit and no one wants to do that. My almanacs. But he doesn't stop making these, and he doubles down on publishing scary content. People were losing their shit over his almanacs. He began including esoteric astrological writings. Oh. And what he called Christian occultism. What does that mean? Basically, it's like passages on mysticism and cosmology, demonology, angelology, and natural magic. So he just went completely rogue from the Quakers. Yeah, dude. He's like, 
you know what, you oatmeal eating fucks? <laughs> I'm about to get weird with it. And I'm more did. of a grits guy. That's right. He went all grits all day, started writing about demonology. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It sounds super dope to me. Quakers are a very strict offshoot of the Protestant religion. And fun fact, they were originally known as the Religious Society of Friends. Does that sound like something from Spongebob? Well, I don't think a friend would burn my almanac. That's so. true. Friends don't burn friends books. <laughs> so even though this makes them sound like a cute little club, they weren't a cute little club. They were more like the family from that movie, The Witch. Ooh, yeah. So like yeah. buckles on their hats. like Black Phillip. Yeah. Li- like not living deliciously at all. They were only <laughs> eating oatmeal. And this was before brown sugar. So it was <laughs> fucking terrible. If Daniel Leeds wasn't already being a radical, he sort of pushed more into like being radicalized when Mm -hmm. he began writing in opposition of the British royals. He converted to angelicism and he started being very outspoken about his anti-Quaker, anti-oatmeal criticisms. (laughs) The Quakers, the Quakers thought Daniel Leeds was a traitor and they branded him as evil. In 1716, Daniel Leeds' son, whose name is Titan, which is a boss-ass fucking name. I was going to say, I actually kind of really like that. It's such a cool name, especially for 1716. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. Cool. He inherited his father's almanac business, and he continued to use astrological content and tide charts. Nice. This led to a rivalry with Ben Franklin (laughs) of $100 bill fame. That's right. He is. And uh, it's the only reason he's famous. Yeah. Hundred dollar bill. Yeah, that's all he he did. He burned some books and then... Didn't he discover electricity? I don't think so. With the key? No, I think he was just on the hundred dollar bill. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh No, I'm thinking of something like that. I literally can't think of anything else he ever did. Yeah, no, just just being on that bill. Mm -hmm. The rivalry came to a head when in 1733, Ben Franklin predicted Titan Leeds would die in October of that year. And he put it in his fucking almanac. Ben Franklin did? Uh huh. <laughs> that's that's so, actually that's kind of funny. Fucking gross, dude. It's a it's pretty petty, but I like it. It's very petty. I kind of like it. Titan was fucking pissed, dude, because it's <laughs> in the fucking almanac, and he published a public letter calling Ben Franklin a fool and a liar. Ben Franklin did that just that terrible thing where people like know that they're wrong, but they mm-hmm. like just try to make light of it Mm -hmm. so he was like i was only joking and trying to just boost sales of both of our almanacs and then he doubled down when titan was like that's not an apology you're just kind of being more of a dick so ben franklin (laughs) put out a letter that said that titan was actually dead (laughs) exactly like ben had predicted and that he was writing his almanacs from beyond the grave. No, he didn't. I fucking swear to you. This is what I had to research this week. Ben Franklin. Wow. Fucking roasting this man so hard. I also like how they, the way of them fighting is by publishing letters <laughs> well, about they're, one another. They're almanac writers. Yeah. So it's probably pretty crazy for them. Wow. So Ben Franklin was being a total dick. That's my favorite thing I think I've ever learned about American history. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> why don't they teach us in school? They should. It's so good. They really should. So Ben Franklin was just 
obviously being a fucking dickhead right now, like total asshat. And he continued to refer to Titan Leeds as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Even after Titan Leeds actually died in 1738. Oh, no. Wait, he predicted he would die in 1733 and he died in 1738? Yeah. Wow. But according to Ben Franklin, he was already dead. <laughs> so it didn't matter. He was Bruce Willis. He Bruce Willis. The whole time. <laughs> It's been suggested that the ghostly figure of Titan Leeds stalking around the Pine Barrens, actually looking to beat up Benjamin Franklin, is the Jersey Devil. Oh. Yeah. So he's just like this angry spirit sent from beyond the grave to torment Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) And he's walking around being like, have you seen Ben Franklin? He's been burning all my almanacs. Like, wait, I thought you were a ghost. Aren't you a ghost? I don't know anymore. Why would he come back as the Jersey Devil? I don't fucking know, dude. Why is any of this happening? Instead of just an actual ghost. This is the most ridiculous fucking story. This is the worst origin story for anything ever. It fucking involves Ben Franklin for some reason. Why is any of this happening? I have no idea. This is unhinged history with Nick and No. It really is. Ten years before his death, Titan Leeds began printing the Leeds family crest on the cover of his almanacs. And on the crest is a wyvern. You know what a wyvern is? Mm, I don't know. Well, for those of you listening that aren't into just like fantasy nerd shit like me, I guess, a wyvern is a bat-winged dragon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think Mm. there was one in... Was it? What's that fucking? I can't even think of the name of it. That stupid George R. R. Martin series Game that he never finished and will never finish, and it just ruined my life. And I think I blocked it out of my memory. Game of Thrones. Couldn't remember the fucking name of it. That's so weird. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Was there a wyvern in it? There were dragons. Oh, I thought there were wyverns. No, they were just. Straight See, up I dragons. don't even remember anything about that show because it, I have like PTSD from it. I'm still waiting on that one book. Yeah, it's never it's coming. Never gonna come. It's never gonna come. <laughs> no. So, uh, a wyvern, back to that, is a bat-winged dragon that honestly kind of looks a little bit like the Jersey Devil. It's a dragon, but it has, like, the same, like, wings and, like, the long forked tail. And so it's not dissimilar to it. And this added to the lore of the Leeds family having been the driving force behind the Jersey Devil, or Mm. the Leeds Devil, as it was called at the time. All of this combined with the thoughts of independence from England, which people did not like, in a family stepping out of the status quo with their takes on religion and politics, the Leeds monster was solidified in the minds of the townspeople as having come from the Leeds family, basically. I'd like to think that Benjamin Franklin personally started that rumor. He, like, tulped it into existence. (laughs) I think he started it and, like, spread it. He probably fucking did. He probably, like, put it in his almanac. (laughs) (laughs) He he started the legend. He might have. he's a petty little bitch. He is such a dick. He's such a fucking asshat. But I kind of like it. It's mean and funny, which is my kind of humor. (laughs) Yeah. By the early 1800s, the Leeds Devil became a legendary ghost story in southern New Jersey, spreading in spoken word stories pretty much only, never written down. Mm -hmm. The name evolved around the mid-1800s into the Jersey Devil, and it has also been called some super fun names like the Wazzlebug. What? The Gwink. Oh, 
Okay. And my favorite, the Hoodle Doodle Bird, who is a distant cousin of Big Bird. Can you imagine if this whole episode was actually titled the Hoodle Doodle Bird? And it involved Ben Franklin still. Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin and the Hoodle Doodle Bird. (laughs) I'm going to write a kid's book. Sounds like one. Wow. Sounds like one. The first known reference of the Jersey Devil to actually be in print was in 1909, which came along with the first major flap of sightings. Well, since the only evidence we have are just sightings, and let me tell you, there are many, let's chat about some of the more popular sightings of the devil. Okay, but we did also say that we lied about that and that there is some evidence. That's true. So don't trust us. You don't know if we're lying or not. You don't even know which one of us is Nicole and which one is Noelle. You don't know. You'll never know. If you looked at a picture, you couldn't pick it out. I promise. We are Nick Nickel. We are Nickel. We are Nicole. No, no that just worked that way. No coal. No coal. Yeah. No coal, Nickel. Yes. Throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, sightings of the Jersey Devil were frequent in the Pine Barrens region. The high-pitched scream could be heard radiating from the depths of the forest and marshy swamps. I also just feel like based off that voice that I'm doing for him, like that's what his scream would sound like. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it fits so well. It's hurting my throat a little bit, but I'm committing to it. You have water, you'll be fine. (laughs) Power through. In the early 1800s, Joseph Bonaparte, a former king of Spain, and yes, the elder brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, claimed that he spotted the devil while he was out hunting on his Bordentown estate. This story contains so much more, like, political history than I ever would have imagined. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It really does. Naval hero Commodore Stephen Decatur was testing cannonballs in the early 1800s when he claims he spotted the Jersey Devil fly above him. He said that he fired a cannonball at the devil and it hit the creature, but it did not affect the creature one bit and it just kept on flying away. Did it, like, give him the finger? Because it's pretty fucking rude. I think it flew at him and then flew away. Oh, okay, okay. Screw you. Yeah. Well, that's another thing about the Jersey Devil, though. Many people say that it is somewhat invincible because people claim to have seen it shot. I mean, this dude shot a cannonball at it. Mm -hmm. They've seen it electrocuted, Mm -hmm. set on fire, and apparently the thing just walks off or flies away like nothing happened. Well, you know what they say? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words are what really hurts the Jersey Devil. (laughs) I think that's how that phrase goes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. In 1840, the devil was blamed for multiple livestock killings. Many sheep and chickens disappeared with only tracks and reports of hearing the ear-piercing scream left behind. I want to take all these sheep, okay? Fucking ludicrous. <laughs> the voice is just fucking mess. <laughs> it's what he looks like. Ah! I feel like that he looks like that yeah, voice. He would scream like yeah. that for sure. Also, he would have like a giant Adam's apple in picture. <laughs> the most famous sightings of the Jersey Devil happened in 1909 from January 16th to January 23rd. 
It started with reports of weird tracks being discovered in the snow. People were finding them in their backyards, through random fields, and even across rooftops of people's houses. Was it Santa? It was not Santa. Oh, okay. Was it the Jersey Devil? It was the Jersey Devil. I'm not Santa! (laughs) Early Sunday morning, January 16th, several people from New Jersey to Pennsylvania all reported seeing a flying creature with glowing red eyes flying through the streets, screaming. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Well, I gave you the look just in case you wanted to throw one out there. Oh! It was first described as a bird-like creature with a horse's head. Then reports of weird tracks were being discovered in the snow. These tracks resembled hoof prints, but were slightly different and not known to belong to any creature known to man. These same tracks were reported all throughout the Delaware Valley. So in New Jersey, Delaware, Philadelphia, and even Maryland. Even Maryland? Even Maryland. Wow. In more than 30 different towns, newspapers published hundreds of stories from people claiming to have encounters with the devil. The creature was spotted near a social club in Camden and also reportedly attacked a trolley car in Haddon Heights. People from the trolley car claimed that it looked like a flying kangaroo. Yeah, a lot of people see kangaroos in 1909 New Jersey. Flying through the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In West Collingswood, the devil was spotted on the roof of a house, described as looking like an ostrich. Firemen were called to the scene, and upon their arrival... They set their hose upon the beast, but it really did nothing, and the devil flew towards the men and then away. I like how you call it the devil. Like, it's really casual. Like, you're on, like, a first-name basis with them. Yeah, it's the devil. And also, every time you say it, I think, Mom says, Ficky Vatican calls the devil every fucking time. It it goes in my head. Also, I think I do a really bad Waterboy impression. You've done better impressions. That was bad. Bad. Wasn't good. It wasn't as good as your other ones. Weird. (laughs) Great Jersey Devil. Terrible water boy. Terrible water boy. Because of the tracks and the sightings, fear and panic spread through the area, so the residents decided to put together a little hunting party, pitchforks and all. Whoa. I don't really know if they had pitchforks. I just I like to imagine pictured that in my head. Yeah, they definitely did. The group used bloodhounds to try and track the creature, but the dogs were too afraid of the creature's scent to follow it. Aww. In Gloucester City, a man spotted the Jersey Devil on the roof of his woodshed. He described the devil as three and a half feet high, with a head like a collie and a face like a horse. It had a long neck, wings, about two feet long, and its back legs were like those of a crane, and it had horse hooves. Again, that voice I'm doing, just picture that this gangly ass weird creature going. It's very gangly. Do you have any egg rolls? <laughs> Why would he be asking for egg rolls? He's fucking hungry, dude. Oh, okay. An egg roll. In Camden, the devil was spotted with a family dog in its mouth. When the owner ran at the devil with her broom, the devil dropped the dog and he flew away. But the creature had taken a chunk out of the dog. Oh. And I couldn't figure out if he lived or not, so we're going to say that he did. Oh, yay. It's a happy ending. (laughs) People in the area were so frightened of the Jersey Devil that schools closed because parents stopped sending their children out of fear. 
People actually stopped coming out of their homes, even in broad daylight. Really? Mm-hmm. Mills located in the Pine Barrens were forced to close down because workers were too terrified to travel through the woods in which the Jersey Devil was said to live. Groups of local vigilantes scoured the Pine Barrens in search of the beast, but came up empty-handed. It was even rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo offered up a $10,000 reward for the devil and a space to put him if they had found him. Yeah. But they never did. Oh, they didn't? No. Crazy. In 1925 in Greenwich, a farmer shot an unidentified animal that was trying to eat his chickens. He claimed that he showed the body to 100 people, and no one could identify what kind of animal it was. He apparently took a picture of the body, but I think it's lost along with the actual body because I couldn't find it on the internet, so who knows where it is. You know why no one could identify it? This was the very first known case of just someone trying to live their life as a furry. (laughs) It was 1925. Okay, resources were limited. They had to hand sew this whole costume. It wasn't that great. Mm. They were going for like a fox vibe, but it just like turned into way like hard left Jersey Devil. Yeah. So yeah, no one could identify it because it was a man in a homemade furry costume. And the world, guy. the world wasn't ready for that yet. Poor guy. Reddit hadn't been invented. Oh, yeah. On July 27th, 1937, residents of Downingtown, Pennsylvania, reported seeing an unknown animal with red glowing eyes. Newspapers reported it as another sighting of the infamous Jersey Devil. In 1951, a group of boys claimed they saw a monster that matched the description of the devil. And in 1957, a corpse matching the description was found, but I guess nothing was done with the corpse because, like I said, there's no evidence. That's so weird. I don't know if someone lost it or maybe they figured out it was just, like, an actual horse or something. Just, like, left it in the street (laughs) and, like, slowly rotted away and everyone ignored it. Yeah, that's kind of like what it sounds like they did. (laughs) Honestly, that's exactly what I'm picturing. Yeah. But since that week in 1909, sightings of the beast have gone down, but sightings of the Jersey Devil are still reported, even to this day, with people still reporting weird bird-like tracks and even hooven tracks, and in some cases, cloven tracks. I tried to Google the most recent sighting, and the most recent one that I could find was in 2015 by a man named Dave Black who also claims to have gotten a picture of the thing. Oh, so there is physical evidence. And this is where I guess you can decide for yourselves whether or not you want to believe if we're lying to you when I say that there is no evidence. Is this the photo that I'm looking at right now? Well, yes. Dave says he was driving past a golf course on Route 9 in Galloway when he spotted the monster flying through the air. Yeah, seems legit. He said... That he had to shake my head a few times when I thought I saw a llama. What in the sky? He says that the creature was running through the trees and then it spread out leathery wings and flew over the golf course. And I have included a picture and I think it's probably one of the funniest things I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. Can I describe it to everyone right now? Yes, please do. So it's very blurry as are all cryptid photos. Right, they have to be. 
got to. So it's very blurry. It is like of some treetops. There's a little bit of sky in the corner. Mm-hmm. And then it just looks like a goat with a wing. It looks like somebody bought a stuffed animal of a goat, put some wings on it, and then yeah. threw it up into the air and took a picture of it. That's 100% what it looks like. <laughs> and, like, they didn't have help, and that's why it's so blurry. Like, they had to throw it and take the picture. They didn't even, like, try to string it on the tree. Like, they threw it. It looks fucking stupid. It and it so doesn't bad. make any sense. <laughs> Like, just knowing how animals move and jump and stuff, how how is this animal propelling itself? Its, it's legs are just, like, hanging there, too. Ludicrous. I mean, I'm not saying that Dave Black is full of shit, well, but actually, yes, I, yeah. I'm saying Dave Black is full of shit. Full, absolutely. There's also a really crappy video that someone has that they claim the Jersey Devil, they caught the Jersey Devil... I guess, flying from one tree to the next. It's like at dusk. Yeah. But that one is just completely fake too. So I haven't seen that one. It's very bad. Yeah. And I'm, it's like on the same level of the Dave Black picture. So <laughs> it's bad. We'll post the picture on our social media. I'm sure will. For your viewing pleasure. Mm-hmm. With all of those sightings, it's pretty obvious that this thing is the real deal and definitely not made up at all. Right? Yeah. Well, actually, believe it or not, a lot of people don't believe that a woman gave birth to a baby child that almost immediately grew an animal head and, I don't know, hooves and wings and then beat everyone up and then, like, flew over Dave's golf course or whatever. (laughs) Some people don't think that that's real, except Benjamin Franklin. Mm -hmm. Yes. But that's only because he's in for the lie, the long game. (laughs) He's all about the long game. It seems like the majority of people believe that the reputation of the Pine Barrens being a scary, inhospitable area is what gave way to the cautionary tale in the first place. I mean, I'm team Ben Franklin. I really think he had a heavy hand in this, me personally. He by far started this rumor. Mostly because it's very funny. Yeah. I think that's very funny that Benjamin Franklin of $100 bill fame and no (laughs) other fame (laughs) made this story up to like spite a man that was very much alive but he refused to acknowledge his living like entity and then the people just took it and ran with it i love it i love it so much (laughs) where's the movie about this so what's easier than uh so because they wanted to keep people out of this wooded area i mean what's easier than just making up a mysterious monster as a warning to kind of keep people out and perpetuate this fear of the woods right i mean that's literally the plot of the movie the village there's a monster in the woods shit don't go into the woods right that's like the most basic thing ever woods are inherently scary and then if there's a scary monster in there you're not gonna go unless you're bryce dallas howard and slightly blind but just really need glasses but you live in the village and you can't have them and also joaquin is there oh yeah he is there he is there he's super there oh yeah he's there Mm -hmm. yeah so, yeah, if you're Joaquin or Bryce Alice Howard, then you're exempt from this. <laughs> yes. In the 17 and 1800s, the people that lived in the Pine Barrens were sort of outcasts of society. The rough terrain was home to runaways, the poors. Native Americans pushed out of white society, runaway enslaved people, moonshine runners, AWOL soldiers, and just a lot of other people considered to be low society at the time 
the Pine Barrens were home to roving gangs of highwaymen. What's a highwayman? It is basically like a robber that like hangs out on the side of highways and ambushes people. That's terrifying. Yeah, like have you ever heard the term like highway robbery? Yeah. That's what this comes from. Whoa. Like that's how this comes from. Okay. Mm-hmm. These people were usually societal castaways, hated for their political ideology, and they had just been run out of town, so they took up residence in the Pine Barrens because that's what you do when you're homeless, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess. Go in the woods. (laughs) Maybe. In New Jersey you do. Here they would rob people and attack people, and they earned the nickname the Devils of the Pineys, or just the Pineys, because people were very bad at making up good nicknames. (laughs) The pine folk would build up their own lore to keep curious people away from the pine barrens. Oh. They also fostered this idea that a wild creature lived in the woods. So, again, you just wouldn't go out there unless you want, like, your children to be eaten or, like, this monster to take your wife as its bride or, you know, whatever Joaquin Phoenix is most scared of. <laughs> Nothing. He's not afraid of anything. Oh, you're right, Jim. Another theory of what the Jersey Devil might be is, are you ready for this? I'm ready for it's it. It's going to blow your fucking mind. Is it? A sandhill crane. Oh, come on. Always. Yeah. Always right. with the cranes and the a, owls. A big fucking bird, dude. <laughs> oh, why? Why is it always a bird to I these people? Know. I mean, okay, I will say this. Some of the drawings don't not look crane-like. Yeah, that's true. I'll give them that. So I'll say that, but people just always dismiss it as a bird, and I'm fucking sorry. It's not a bird. Yeah, I'm, I'm over that. It's not a bird. In 1909, when the sighting flap occurred, a sociologist named Robert E. Bartholomew and an author named Peter Hassel claimed that it was simply a matter of mass hysteria brought out by most popular urban legends at the time well yeah i would say probably some of those sightings definitely were i think so there's also i really love this story there's also a man named tom brown jr and he's an author and he's an outdoorsman Mm. and he said that on several occasions he had been mistaken for the jersey devil (laughs) He lives. What does he look like? Well, okay. So he likes he likes to cover. He lives in the woods for like large stretches of time, okay. and he likes to cover his body in mud so that bugs and like mosquitoes oh, and stuff smart. don't bite him. Smart. And it's like sun lotion. So. Yeah. So while he's out just like doing his thing, like bigfooting around, <laughs> a bunch of hikers. This is this happened in the nineties. A bunch of hikers saw him, uh-huh. and they're like, "That's the Jersey Devil." And he's like, no, my name's Tom Brown Jr. They're like, shut up, devil. (laughs) We know you're the devil. And they called the cops. I wonder how many times he's also been mistaken for Bigfoot. Like, what if Bigfoot just doesn't exist and every single time it's been, like, he's been seen? Tom Brown Jr. It's always Tom Brown Jr. Well, his dad, Tom Brown Sr., was probably also an outdoors man. Oh, yeah. So it makes sense, dude. You got to keep Bigfooting in the family. (laughs) The Browns. The Browns are the real Bigfoot (laughs) of the country. A lot of people also think that this whole situation was just a hoax, which really holds water. The biggest piece of evidence, evidence, we have some evidence, is that... (laughs) Do we? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if we do. So remember those hoof prints that you were talking about from 1909? Mm -hmm. 
So people are saying that they're the Jersey Devil hoof prints. But what's way more believable is that they're probably just horse hoof prints. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that would make like a lot more sense mm-hmm. because the Jersey Devil is supposed to have hooves. Yeah. And I'm just going to pull a horse girl card here. Okay, yes. real quick. You have to, always. I have to, as the resonant hoof expert in the yeah. room. Yes. Virtually all uncloven hoof prints look the fucking same. Really? Like a horse <laughs> hoof print. I couldn't tell a horse hoof print, if you, 50 of them, unless mm-hmm. like different sizes. They all mm-hmm. look the fucking same. There's like little circles. They look the same. So you would not be able to tell the difference between a horse and a Jersey Devil is what you're saying. I personally could not. I'm going to say results inconclusive on this one. As somebody who owns a horse. Yes. And a Jersey Devil. She knows what she's talking about. Oh, she does. A, oh, yeah. Killian. I do have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like it, it doesn't make any sense. And they could just be like, oh, look, hoof prints of the Jersey Devil. Yeah. And there's a horse standing like 10 feet away. Well, that's why there's no physical evidence. That's true. <laughs> Then there was this man named Norman Jeffries, who could be responsible for this entire situation being a hoax. Mm. He was a publicist who lived in Philadelphia, which he brought up earlier, mm-hmm. at the time of the flap in 1909. He had decided to work with a museum proprietor named T.F. Hopkins, which is such a good old-timey name. T.F. Hopkins. Yes, dude. And I want to know what T.F. stands for. Tom Frank. Hopkins. Tom Frank Hopkins. <laughs> so Norman Jeffries and Tom Frank Hopkins decided to boost attendance. This is ridiculous. <laughs> decided to boost attendance to the museum with a captive Jersey Devil. So he set out to prove that this was real by planting, quote, nonfiction newspaper stories about sightings of the devil in newspapers all along the eastern coast, which you talked about mm-hmm. earlier all these sightings and all these newspapers were just fake sightings that he put in the newspaper possibly wow. in, in 1909 norman jeffries also bought a kangaroo from a circus and then he attached artificial claws no. and he glued bat wings to it and they put it in a cage in the museum and they claimed that it was the captured devil Mm-hmm. 20 years afterwards, he admitted that all of this was a hoax. What an ass. Which, like, yeah, I mean, bat wings are super tiny and kangaroos are so big. So I bet that looked so fucking funny. Ridiculous. And I like it a lot. There's also still a lot of people that believe that the Jersey Devil is real. And they call themselves the Devil Hunters. Mm, clever. Yeah, they refer to themselves as the official researchers of the Jersey Devil. This group of devil hunters collects reports and they look for clues like, I don't know, hoof prints of various animals that are definitely devils and not like deer or horses or whatever. They go on nocturnal hunts and they look for any proof that the Jersey Devil is real, which is very much like that show Bigfoot Hunting. And I like it a lot. And I really support these people in their hobby because it's very fun. Yeah. I mean, why not? You go hunt that Jersey Devil. We're not going to tell you not to. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. So whether you believe it's a hoax or Ben Franklin made it up I'm or go that one. it's real or whatever, um, I actually kind of want to know what people think if it's real or if Ben Franklin made it up or 
I kind of want to know. I think Ben Franklin made it up, and then this guy just, like, made it even worse. Yeah, like, ran with it? Yeah. Yeah. I just really love the Ben Franklin thing. <laughs> it's It sounds completely made up. Yeah. And that's why I like it. Oh, I would never in a million years think that, like, a founding father <laughs> would yeah. pull that shit. But... So, so was this story about a cryptid? Or was it about Ben Franklin? Maybe the real cryptid was the Ben Franklins we made along the way. And there you have it, folks. There is our Jersey Devil episode for you. We started with a really great segue, and we're going to end with a really great segue. <laughs> we can transition Fucking so well. nailed it. And if you guys remember listening to last week's episode on Love is One, we did have a listener mail for you guys, but that episode ran a little long, so we decided to save it for this one. Mm-hmm. This week's listener mail comes from friend of the pod, Lana. Hi, Lana. Hi, Lana. She says, hi, Nicole and Noelle. I am a writer by nature, so I apologize for the length, but I hope you enjoy the story, whether you share or not. Trays from Glittery Hippie will be in the mail soon. Yay, we got those. We did get them. They're so cool. They're very, very cool. Lana runs a very cool, like, resin shop called Glittery Hippie, so check her out for sure. So this is going to be, um, it's going to be very long, to be completely honest. So we've split it up into four sections, and we're going to alternate just because it's pretty long. So bear with us. It's a very fun story. I think you're going to like it. It's called The Spoopy Grandparent Inception. So Lana's story, which this is sort of funny, in her email, she said, you can use my name if you want, but only if you say it right. It's Lana, rhymes with Donna. So Lana like Donna. Lana like Donna in her spoopy grandparent inception story. (laughs) My story starts on the eve of my birthday in 2006. My birthday is on October 29th. And I'm pretty sure its closeness with Halloween gave me my obsession with horror movies, true crime, and everything strange. Nice. I was a senior in high school, truly living my best life, walking around in a Hollister hoodie and hair freshly straightened with my two-inch wide Conair hair straightener and a fresh, juicy tube in my pocket. Mm, Know those days. This day was also special for another reason. A few years before, my stepfather's mom had passed away. I did not know her very long, but I knew she must have been amazing because she raised him and he is truly a saint. Coincidentally, her birthday was on October 28th, the eve of my birthday. Every year on Mother's Day, Father's Day, and their birthdays, my stepdad Randy would go to his parents' shared gravesite and leave flowers. I was home alone, taking care of our family dog while they did whatever they were doing that night. I remember thinking, wow, it's weirdly quiet tonight. Not only did my parents have four kids and four dogs at the same time, they were also running a small business that year, and the landline and fax machine were constantly going off. Fax machines, remember those? (laughs) Yeah. Our home was always busy and rarely quiet. For whatever reason, I was alone in the house that night, and there hadn't been one single fax or phone call. I fell asleep before anyone else was home and woke up to a question I get goosebumps thinking about even now. I came downstairs at 11 a.m. on my 17th birthday, still half asleep. Ah, the good old days. (laughs) 
It was and was immediately slapped awake by Randy asking me who called from the cemetery last night. I asked him what he was talking about, and he showed me a missed call log from around 9 p.m. that previous evening. Sure enough, it listed the cemetery his parents were buried in. I insisted that no one had called and how I even took note of how strange it was, thinking that maybe I had left the ringer off and fearing that perhaps his parents' gravestone had been vandalized. He called the cemetery and stated that he received a missed call from the night before. The people working on the office were insistent that no one was there at that time that could have called from that phone line. I just got like a shiver throughout my whole body. Crazy. It was then that my stepfather hung up the phone and he looked at me and my mom and he said, I forgot to bring her flowers. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. This year had been so busy that he had forgotten to drive out to visit. This Scorpio soul sister of mine (laughs) straight up reached out from beyond the grave to bitch about not getting flowers. It is truly an inspiration and I can only dream to be that petty in my afterlife. That spring, my grandfather, my maternal one who basically raised me, passed away. I really struggled with this loss and always felt confused by his death and how quickly it happened. My MO for processing any kind of stress, loss, or grief is keeping so damn busy that I barely have to think about it. Cheers to therapy and mindfulness because that shit ain't healthy. (laughs) At least it's productive, though. Yeah, it is productive. My grandpa was a really funny person, constantly making jokes instead of talking about his feelings. I definitely get that from him. Mm -hmm. Even while in the hospital, he would say things like, Damn, this chair is like a cheap hotel. No ballroom. He wanted no attention paid to the fact that his organs were shutting down one by one. Around the one-year anniversary of my papa's passing, I took a nap and had an extremely lucid dream. Let me quickly preface this by saying that I never take naps, and I very, very rarely dream. Reader's Digest version of the dream. I was riding my bike through my hometown, and it caught a flat. I also don't bike places. Dreams are weird. (laughs) When I got off my bike and looked around for help, I realized everyone on the street was a different version of my papa at different stages of his life. Wow. That's crazy. It's a cool dream. There was more to it, but what stood out about the dream the most was the way it ended. My papa took my hand in his and it felt like his hand. That might seem silly to say, but you know the feeling of your loved one's hand before they pass. Paper thin, smooth, bloated, and soft. He looked me in the eyes while holding my hand and said, it's okay. And I woke up. It was so abrupt and quick, like the snap of a finger, as if a hypnotist had decided to wake me up. I had never before and never since woken up in such a way. You could obviously say that my brain manifested this image on its own, but I know myself and I know that experience, and I have spent this time knowing it was him comforting me from beyond. I was lucky enough to still have my Nana for 12 more years. She was around to meet my twins and passed away in August of 2019. I took this loss even harder than my grandfather because at 30 years old, you look at your own mortality different than you did at 17. Yep. My Nana talked a lot. She taught me to sing, dance, play rummy, and to never be ashamed of who I am. I was an avid runner in high school and quit when my papa passed away. 
I don't know why, but I just stopped. Maybe the memories of him at races or driving me to practice just hurt too badly. When my Nana passed, I signed up to run a half marathon, and in February of this year, I completed my goal at Disney World. Remember how I said that I like to keep myself busy? Working full-time, raising two-year-old twins, and training to run 13.1 miles. Wow. Yeah, I was keeping myself too busy to mourn. Two weeks after my race, our country went into lockdown and I lost my job. I was forced to address my feelings and grief, but most importantly, I got to be around my kids more. Within three months of losing my job, I was able to get one of my daughters diagnosed with autism, something I was never able to address while working. I was able to do when life slowed down. Everything happens for a reason. During this time, my biological father was quarantined in a hotel. My dad lived in Virginia and had recently taken a job in Singapore. He had emptied his home and switched locks for an incoming renter when the world seemingly stopped. Wow. My dad spent months in a hotel waiting official orders saying that he was cleared to travel to his new home. As I approached the month of August 2020, the one-year anniversary of my Nana's death, I kept waiting for her to give me a sign like my grandpa did. She sent me small signs every day, but I was looking for something monumental, something like what Papa did. I both yearned for it and still do, and dreaded it. Thinking it would be a confirmation that she is there, but once I saw her, that would be it. I craved her saying that she was proud of everything I had accomplished and that she didn't take it personally that my autistic daughter was scared of her, but I stayed busy. This fall, my dad finally moved to Singapore. He is living his best life and he is happier than I have seen him in years. I had started to move on from thoughts of my Nana finding me in my dreams. The date of her passing had come and gone, and nothing monumental had happened. My dad and I seemed to stay in contact even more since his move, perhaps because the extreme time difference of him being 13 hours ahead of me forced us to be strategic about talking to one another. One evening, my dad texted me that he was just woken up from the strangest dream. He said that he was around a bonfire, barbecue, honestly, I don't remember the detail, but he was hanging out outside and my Nana was there. She was talking nonstop as she did in life. About what? He couldn't recall as he was talking to my papa, who was also there. He said that they talked about life, but he didn't remember anything specifically. Just the strange way he woke up. He looked me in the eyes and he said, it's okay. And just snap, wake up. I had never told my dad the story of my own dream 11 years prior, but we both talked to my grandpa and were both sent away with the same comforting sentiment. After reading the book Signs by medium Laura Lynn Jackson, I'm convinced our loved ones send us signals constantly. Mm-hmm. If only we slow down and notice. I was too busy I was too busy being busy to receive my grandparents' messages, but they got it to me anyway, while simultaneously comforting my dad in a foreign country during a pandemic. Aww. As if things couldn't get any weirder, a month later on my birthday eve of this year, we take the twins to a park and as we go to leave, my car doesn't start. It is cold and crappy and I looked at the sky and asked my stepfather's mother on her birthday, Grammy, if you please start this car for us, I will hand deliver your flowers myself. (laughs) Or she's calling and you know she is. (laughs) 
I am lucky enough to have married a man who is extremely talented and can fix literally anything. Keeper. He figured out the battery in my remote had died and circumvented the system to get the car to start. Wow, I didn't even know that could happen. <laughs> Apparently, there are ways around these things if you bother to read the owner's manual. Who does that? No one. Without him, I would be sitting in the cold with a, with screaming three-year-olds waiting for AAA. I am very blessed, but I digress. Maybe this is shitty of me, but I saw my husband fixing the car issue as not a gift from the heavens, so therefore, I felt like I was off the hook with having to deliver her flowers. That, and I felt like Grammy Dot would understand I was busy with children and be chill about it. That night, I was FaceTiming with stepdad to show him the twins and ask him if he had delivered the flowers. He let me know he did, and I told him my story about the car and asking for a favor. Oddly enough, as I told my part of the story, the audio started cutting out, and there was a low, strange, crackling sound unlike anything I have ever experienced on a video call before. I hung up and called back, and the connection seemed fine, until I said her name again. Whoa. The same thing happened again after I said Grammy Dot. I called back a third time, and in the middle of saying, I think Grammy Dot is cutting our connection when we say her name, the connection was lost again. Grammy Dot is really good with technology. She is. I sent my stepdad a text stating what I thought was happening, and I told him I would call back again, and this time, neither of us say her name. After being cut off three times within the last 30 seconds of a call, we carry on a video chat for about 15 minutes without interruption. Wow. Can you believe this lady is still bitter about her flowers? Legendary. So there you go. My long-winded story about my three grandparents who have passed on, but are still very much so making themselves known now and again. Thanks for my daily dose of weird, Lana. Awesome. I love those stories. They are all amazing. So and great. I want to give Grammy Dot, she's going to curse me and make my phone not work. I want to give Grammy Dot flowers too. I know, right? <laughs> I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> Firecracker. So like we said, Alana runs a very cool store called Glittery Hippie. You should check her out. She sent us some very, very cool ashtrays. Yeah, she makes a lot of cool ashtrays. Very cool shit. So thank you so much, Lana. If you have a story about your grandparents from Beyond the Grave or anything else sort of fun, anything sort of spooky, or maybe you just want to say hi. Benjamin Franklin, do you have a story about him? If you do, love to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> You can email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com or always slippery slide into those DMs, baby. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram mostly, to be completely honest. So, yeah, yeah send us some words. And if you want to help support the pod, we do have a Patreon. So we have a lot of different tiers for you to choose from, but we do have a couple patrons that new patrons that we'd like to welcome so welcome susan h welcome lily f welcome noah and welcome kelsey c thank you so so much for joining our patreon and actually just before we recorded this we had a movie club we did for patrons only so if you want to join our coven you want to do some fun stuff we're on discord we chat all the time we yeah you know send out fun little gifts we 
I don't know, just do a lot of stuff. It's honestly very, very fun. If you want to join our coven, check it out at patreon.com slash quite unusual pod or hit up the links in all of our social media bios. And remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye. And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around beautiful, benevolent beings. Spencer W., a hobgoblin with a love for dance, but only if it's Sharon Von Etten. Great taste. Tim M., a banker at the Ethereal Cat Bank of Nebula 13. He always made sure to deposit the correct amount of cats at the end of the day, but for some reason, today, he is short two cats. <gasps> A mystery we will keep you updated on. Where are those cats? Savannah L. Very best galactic friends with Samantha P. They met at a mixer on Venus for the Rose Quartz Antelope Association and became fast friends. Samantha P. actually sworn enemies with Savannah L. She had lulled her into a false sense of friendship, but is actually from a rival association. The Smoky Quartz Antelope Association. Pure evil. No. Mike B., a researcher who has developed the only known micro-colony of space worms to sing a cappella. They are touring Nebraska in the spring. That rhymed. Unintentional. To Kaylee O. Oh, 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 Kaylee. Oh, Kaylee. Coven, remember? Lauren R. The chef at the Interdimensional Space Station. The specials on Friday are Gorbalax omelets with a side of fire-roasted north, fava beans, and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Jess H., a sentient being from Mars. Sure, she's mostly made of mold, but that mold has feelings, goddammit, and you don't dare burst the bubble of that sentient mold's happiness. You just don't. Evan K., the only human to reach the center of the hollow earth. Unfortunately, they didn't have reservations at the McDonald's down there, so they had to settle for a hollow earth red lobster. I heard they don't even have the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Blasphemy. Katie T., the receptionist at the Pentagon. You won't even believe how many crank calls she gets from Bigfoot. When she hears, is your refrigerator blurry? She just hangs up. I would too. Christina N., a wizard that has decided to give up magic in order to focus on her chess game. Noble pursuit. Chess is very hard. Mm. To Adam R., who is really the evil twin of Adam K. We're not only on to you, Adam R., mm. but we've also sent the men in black to hunt you. You will not replace Adam K. You will not! Also, we, we really do apologize. Um, We thought that your initial was R, not K, but we realized that you are actually Adam K now. So. Yeah, yeah, we've been calling you Adam R for like a really long time, and we're, we're super, super sorry. sorry. But I feel like now we just have to call you that. Yeah, can so. we just ever think of changing your last name? Hmm. We have thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
Kelsey C., our newest patron and also a new member of the MUFON UFO Network. Welcome to our coven, and I'm sure a little gray man will be at your door with your MUFON fruit basket shortly. They always include durians, and they're not good. I don't understand why they put them in there. Honestly, I have so many durians in my house, and they smell like natural gas. Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I, I mean, maybe like a little worthy, but like... No, we're not. Okay.